And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Red alert! All hands to battle stations! Engage! Captain Picard is a pain, isn't he? Interesting. No redeeming qualities. I think you should be destroyed. The great Captain Picard of Starfleet falls to Earth. Go back. Thou shalt most certainly die. Protect yourself, Captain, without destroying We are dangerous. What can I offer except myself? Just get down to it, please. Get us out of orbit! One minute to destruct. No! We're through running from these bastards. Perhaps today is a good day to die. Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 70. This is the 1701D episode uh, focusing on the next generation. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with my bestest buddy, Scott Gardner. How you doing? Super. But you know that because we just were talking for an hour about Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't mean to lift the veil. You just you just destroy that that secrecy, <laughs> the, the yeah right mystique of it all. <laughs> just blown. Well, all right. Well, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> well, you know, we uh, we talked all about what was new in the world of Star Trek for us uh, in the prior episode. So you know, I, I I know I've said this a million times before, but I hope everybody is listening to both editions of Star Trek Monthly Monday, both the TOS and TNG editions. So, especially so. now in TNG that we're finally hitting that third season, and we've just been hitting a lot of great episodes of mm-hmm. TNG. Well, you know, I, I feel, and I know I said this not long ago in another episode, but I've been feeling very guilty lately that uh, Star Trek Monthly Monday kind of—I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I kind of felt like. It was getting the short end of the stick from us because we we were having some serious scheduling issues and things like that and just kind of being up against the clock all the time. So I wanted to show a little extra love to Star Trek Monthly Monday this month. So I wanted to make sure, for one, that uh, both TOS and TNG got covered and got episodes and everything. But also, because we have uh, missed some TNG, even when we had... Star Trek Monthly Monday the last time around we didn't do a TNG episode this time around we're going to because we love you the listeners we're going to treat you right we're going to give you count them two two episodes this time of Star Trek The Next Generation and they're like yeah yeah that's what you used to do all the time (laughs) right lazy (laughs) bastards now we're now we want a medal for doing what we were what we're supposed to do yes everybody gets a medal yeah, well, <laughs> we have been giving TNG a little bit of a, a, a short shrift, but you know we've we've we nailed down Randy a couple times, and once you nail down Randy, that kind of sucks the air out of any other Star Trek we're gonna right. do for that month, you know? Right. <laughs> but um, in a good way. He takes all the air in the room. Yes, he does. <laughs> and and um, but 
though I, I will say in our defense we did eventually get to do the Star Trek Nemesis um, commentary. That is very true. So that that, is that true. got a little. I don't know if it would if you'd call it from my end TNG love, but some attention anyway. Well, that's true. I, you know, it's strangely, I'd kind of forgotten that. That was kind of the whole reason that we started off by doing uh, Star mm-hmm. Trek Insurrection was to kind of make up for shorting Star Trek Monthly Monday that month, and then we uh, we went ahead and uh, the very next at the tail end of the next month on the bonus Monday that we got, uh, we did Star Trek Nemesis. So yeah, if you are listening to this and you haven't heard those yet, go back and give them a listen to. I thought they came out very, very well. I was know? happy with both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I thought we had some really serious, you know, seriously good discussion uh, discussion in there. But also, I thought we had some good laughs in there too. Yes. So, well, yeah. it's fun, and it, and it's fun. Both of those were rewatches from the original watching too for me. So that that always gives it a little extra enthusiasm mm-hmm. when when we get to the commentaries because it's almost like an. Inf- Formed first watch again, you know, when that many years goes by. Right. Be- between all of them. I mean, it's been over a decade for each of them, right? Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, well more than a decade. Uh, yeah, I so. believe so at this point. Yeah, I think so. Jesus. I know, it's hard to, hard to believe. Because Nemesis still feels new to me. You know, I still think of it as the most recent Trek, you know, and, and, you it know, is now for it to be that old. It's like wow, really? So it's it's just kind of funny how time works like that. But speaking of time, we better go ahead and jump straight into this. Unless you can think of anything uh, next generation that you wanted to discuss real quick. No, I have not picked up anything next generation to to speak of. So I'm ready I... to ready to fly into these shows. These are about the only next generation in my brain right now. I'm looking forward to this because I didn't realize it until you and I were just talking uh, in the break about the fact that uh, apparently we both have very different opinions of these episodes because I was fully prepared to come into this one and kind of, you know, kind of go, eh, whatever on one of them and then really talk up the other. And it turns out that we are completely flip-flopped in our opinions of which one's the meh and which one's the awesome. So that should be fun. So (laughs) this is going to be a very interesting episode, I think. So we do have two episodes this time around. The first episode that we are going to discuss Uh, Again, this is the third season episode. This one's called The Offspring. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation, Commander Data creates an android child. I have brought a new life into this world. But Starfleet's orders leave her an orphan. I want that android out of here. The child depends on him. And a deadly malfunction. I am scared. Threatens her life. I love you, Father. On Star Trek. The Next Generation. This episode aired the week of March 12th, 1990, which whew, 25 years ago. Holy a quarter shit. century. Man. Right, remember when we were first watching Star Trek and it was turning like 25? Right, like yeah. Original, and we were like, man, that original Star Trek was a long time ago. Well. Man. <laughs> yeah, man, man. Because I, you know... Uh, what you call it? Star Trek Six came out for the for the twenty fifth anniversary, and I can remember, you know, feeling yeah. like, wow, they, you know, that's been around a long time. But, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> um, it's worth noting that this is directed by Jonathan Frakes. This is the first ep- episode directed by Jonathan oh. Frakes. He would, of course, go on to direct uh, many more episodes and a couple of the movies. So, yeah. All right, so this is the synopsis for this one. This is out of the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion by Larry Nemesek. It reads as such. Data sparks another legal row over the status of androids when he innocently sets out to further his creator's work. He builds a child whom he names Lal, Hindi for beloved. It's also the thing your head does when your your neck muscles don't work quite right. Yeah. Anyway, the... <laughs> Troy and the others are delighted. <laughs> Troy and the others are delighted when Lal chooses a human female form. Yeah, I'll bet they are. Her personality soon blooms despite growing pains. 
But Picard is not so pleased that she was uh, developed in secrecy and has a hard time calling her Data's child, even though the elder android duplicated his own neural nets for lols. Still, the captain becomes a firm ally of the androids when Admiral Haftel of Starfleet Research insists that Lal should develop in a lab rather than aboard a ship. Despite the protests of Picard, Data, and Lal herself, Haftel perseveres, especially after he finds the new android in 10 Forward where Guinan and Data thought she uh, could best study humans. But then Lal, who shows she can go beyond Data's programming by using contractions, grows too quickly when the stress of the fight over her future leads her to develop emotions, a new trait she finds uh, she physically can't handle. Haftel and Data unite to repair the damage to her system, but it is too great. Data, the supposedly unemotional android, bids his dying child uh, goodbye and then tells his grieving shipmates that Law will always live on in their memories. Memories. <laughs> So, what did you think of The Offspring? Well, now it seems like so long ago, but the last episode we did was Yesterday's Enterprise, right? Yes, yes it was. Which was, like, had me legitimately tearing up at the end. Mm-hmm. This one felt like it was too much of... It, it's like, why do two tearjerkers in a row, you know? And this right. one didn't didn't jerk the tears like the last one did (laughs) it was i mean it's an okay idea it's not a bad episode it's no no it is no it is not it it just sort of gives you half of what it could have you know right and yeah and and it's 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 very convenient that they got rid of the character by the end of the episode at least say at least this wasn't like some attempt to make a new character you know which a lot of times drives me nuts i'm glad you prefaced it with it's not a bad episode because it's not you're right it's not a bad episode while i'm watching it i enjoy it but i used to like this one a lot more when I was younger and and I think part of it is with getting older and, and re-examining these with a more critical eye for discussing them I, I tend to catch uh, you know more about them because I'm, I'm just watching them in a, in a different fashion and the thing with this one is that you've got a lot of great ideas you've got a lot of great setup but it, it's almost like the rise of the silver surfer of next gen episodes because it's got all these great ideas but it just won't fully commit to any of them to me, you know, I mean, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of emotion. There's some really great comedy beats in there. There's some really funny stuff. I, I love you know, you know the parts with Guinan and Ten Forward and where like Riker where, comes in where and all that. Riker comes back, yeah, you know, and 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 I thought it was one of those things where Frankie's was on vacation or something. That's why he wasn't in it. But I think they just had him on leave so they could have that great entrance where he comes in and just like right. what, what's been happening since I've been gone <laughs> right exactly there's just, there's a number of things that they do in this that that just kind of it, it scuttles the effect uh, effectiveness of the episode I wish that they had found a way that that if if this was just going to be a done in one that law was just a one-off character in this one episode I wish they had found a better way to to take her out at the end the whole, I, I'm scared. I've suddenly developed emotions. I'm like, what? It that just seemed really, really Dang just it. TV cornball to yeah. me. Good, know, like, good way to get her get her out of there instantaneously, basically. Yeah, I mean, if this was an episode of uh, what was that old show about the robot girl? That was, I want to say it might have even been like a Disney afternoon show or something. I can't remember now, but it was it was the one about the the girl that was actually a robot. Anyway, I can't think of the name of it, but uh oh god, you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, now I do. All I could think of was the Wes Craven horror movie called Deadly Friend with <laughs> no <robot> girl in it. <laughs> no, but you know, it's it's the same stupid thing as as Terminator Two. You know. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna switch his chip to learn, and by the end of it, it's gonna be ET. And I'm like, what? It's just stupid. It's so stupid. And you know that that moment in this where you know now I you know 
uh, she, you know, she she really does kind of have that T two moment where now I know what it is to love, and, and it's like, come on, can you just have her, you know, just have her just do her little malfunction thing, and you know, you you can have everything else that this episode has, but the emotion part of it just annoyed the hell out of me because it's like, so Data uses his own self and his own brain and the way that he works as a model to create her well he lacks the emotion chip so how could he create something in her even by mistake that doesn't actually exist yet for him and that that part of it just kind of took me out of it a little bit um well i thought it was going and gonna go in a frankenstein direction at the beginning there was you know (laughs) like in the beginning it was kind of frankenstein like when he was bringing her to life and stuff even on a visual style oh there should have been a great like she's alive alive moment that would have been awesome as as in in nemesis and stuff they you know they don't bring up lore <laughs> in this one and it's yeah. just like uh, this is a starfleet vessel and i mean kirk or kirk picard goes from calling it an invention to a life like really quickly but mm-hmm. the long and short of it is all of a sudden you're having another crew member aboard that has bypassed starfleet and everything you know without any kind of checks and you know it's 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 sketchy you know i know i know that picard has you know the feelings and sentimentality for data but it's just like you can't go making new crew members it's it's just like if you were on a navy vessel and all of a sudden your commander comes into your bunk and you're playing checkers with somebody else he's like who the hell is this and he's like Oh, this is Fred. You know, I we I picked him up at the last port. We're but we're best buddies now. I I told him <laughs> to come along. He's in the navy now. You know. Right. Well, you know, Data has a good point about you know because Picard calls him on it and says, you know, why why didn't you say something to me about it? And he basically says, you know, well, I haven't seen anybody else that decided to procreate have to come get permission from the captain. That's a good point. But the problem is, is that it's not the same. It's not the same. It really is not. the The problem is, is that this episode, and and, and I guess in a way, maybe this is, in this a, is quintessential Star Trek. So it's a good dis- it, it creates good discussion, right? But I'm still stuck on Measure of a Man. I'm still stuck on the whole thing of Data being proclaimed a right. person. It just, I have issues with that because. I see, and and I hate to be this way because this is Star Trek, and the thing I love about Star Trek is its positive vision for the future. However, I see proclaiming androids, people, as a very dangerous road to be going down. And this is a reason for that, because now you've got Data going, I don't need your goddamn permission to create more robots, because... You told me I was people. So if I'm people, I can procreate whenever the hell I want to. And it's like, no, dude, no, you you, you really can't. You know? It's not the same. Well, a human procreates and you got 18 years to vet them to see if they're going to be any good to have on the ship or whatever, you know, or well, whatever. I mean, she, and there's a good it, amount of time when they can't really do too much damage. <laughs> well, I mean, in that respect, I don't see I don't see data having created her with the idea that you know she's she's gonna you know become a starfleet officer at least not right away you know i mean she she's very much she is his child and there are other children on the ship right but so i i see you know in fairness i see it that way as well but yeah i mean there's a lot of issues that data you know didn't really take into account and this is one of those things that again i think brings up the inconsistency of data because I have, I, you know, I've always had trouble. As much as I like the character of Data, I've always had trouble with this aspect of, you know, is he or isn't he? And what I mean by that is, on the one hand, he, he's super smart and, you know, he's a trusted, loyal officer of the Enterprise that eventually works his way into being, you know, second officer. And as we saw in Nemesis, or will see in Nemesis, you know, he's he's poised to be first officer of the ship, which means he's one heart attack away from being the captain, you know? So there's that side. 
And then there's the other side of him that is so that we're led to believe is so childlike, naive and innocent that he'll make really stupid decisions because he's not thought them through, you know, in a, in a more adult and dare I say logical fashion, which is a strange thing to say about, you a know, robot. an Android or yeah. a robot, you know, that they're not thinking logically, but he's not. And so it makes that combination to me makes his character seem incredibly inconsistent. Well, I think that I think that's why they made him the product of one g- super genius creator, mysterious mm-hmm. sort of guy, instead of you know Acme, you know the Acme Robot Company. Right. So he's he's an anomaly. He's not something that Starfleet can whip up an army of. At this right. point, and so you can argue but that it's obvious that they want to, though. Well, yeah, right. But if if it's he may not be an Asimovian android as such that runs totally on logic. His creator was thinking in terms of building an android, but he was also trying trying to build a life. He was basically playing God, you know, right in a way. So there's there's elements in data. The the scary thing about data is nobody knows really how the guy did it and you know they know basics of it and they can fix him in some ways but I'm not really sure they know exactly how data works and there's you know things that are going to turn up about his quote unquote personality or how he functions that are going to be surprises. Right. That does not seem like something you would want on a starship, you know. What if he just decided to start punching through the hull, you know? You right. don't you don't know. <laughs> and he can. <laughs> so it's 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 all very interesting, but then again, if you live day by day with data, you'd probably you know, probably every one of us would be like totally enamored of him, you know, would be like buddies with him because just of his personality. That's that's very human, and I wonder if, like, over the course of time, you would just forget, you know? Right. So I don't, I, I don't know, but the, that's the thing. He's great. He's he's a better, like, I you know, when I first saw this, I'm like, okay, Data is the, the Spock of this series. He's he's the, the alien, instead of a Vulcan, because now from Star Trek we're used to alien races, now we've got an android. And that's something new is because now I think he's better than Spock as a character like that, because I think he spurs more conversation and more questions, you know, which, you know, they cover (laughs) with with varying degrees of success in the show. You know, sometimes sometimes him being an android is a is a thing of convenience to the show or he does something that just seems kind of wonky other times it, it spurs good conversations other times it spurs really stupid conversations right but either way it's 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 a it was a great idea you know to have we covered the episode idea. have we covered the episode yet where there's the little girl the little alien girl that's yes. on the dying planet yeah. yes that that I think that's a perfect example with that episode of how Data's character is often depicted inconsistently, because we're we're led to believe in that one that he just very innocently answers this voice in the dark, and no, he is an officer of that ship. Now I'm trying to remember during the course of the TV show, whether he was second officer or not. I, I can't remember. He, he may very well be at this point, second officer. I just don't remember, mm-hmm. but regardless, he is a bridge officer of the enterprise. So he is entrusted with knowledge of the, the protocols and the procedures and the prime directive. I mean, it's the prime directive so he's got to be knowledgeable and know these things yet you know the the whole setup of that episode is that well he he didn't really know he just innocently answered the call well no when you really think about it that's called it kind of falls up yeah, yeah yeah it really is yeah and that's kind of what's going on in in certain aspects in in this episode as well and i agree with you that 
it starts off very nicely with Picard kind of calling him out on that. But then strangely, Picard kind of backpedals. Well, you know why? Rather because, quickly, too. Because Admiral Halfwit shows up and he's the standard right. Starfleet prick. Prick, yeah. And then I was Picard's waiting for you to like get us. that. I knew, I knew you were going to, yeah. It's yeah. in my notes. <laughs> yeah. We do. I, I had the same note. Pre- prerequisite Star- Starfleet prick shows up, yeah. And, and, and then at that point, Picard's just like, okay, screw you, buddy. You know? It's it's Wait. that standard thing like fight within the family, but somebody comes to fight with the family, and every all of a sudden everybody turns on them. You know, that's how we I sort of saw it. We're led to believe that this is, you know, it, it's the far future. It's a more enlightened society. Humanity has become much better, and you know, just everything's hunky dory. Well, if that's all true then why is every representative of Starfleet other than the crew of the Enterprise, why are they all a bunch of assholes? Every time we meet one of these people, I think they're trying to say you never can get rid of them. And right. And like, and, and you also in star in Starfleet and anything like that, you have the explorers and then you have the bureaucrats. Right. You know, and Picard, the crew of the Enterprise are explorers by nature, by definition. That's why they're on the Enterprise. That's the Enterprise's mission. And then you got all the pen, and he's a pencil pusher coming in to tell, you know, outrank everybody and tell them what to do. And not, and, you know, not with the, probably with not, well, he's an admiral. Maybe he does have the practical knowledge or whatever, but yeah, they just. Yeah, you know, officious pricks are a good story element, you know, they're a good uh, foil. <laughs> and also, as in as Star Trek goes, they always come in and get softened up. You know, at the end, he was totally touched by, you know, Data's attempts to save his do- quote-unquote daughter's life, you know. Right. He, you know, he he did he did that like stunned walking away. Going, his hands they were moving so fast. I've never seen anybody try. Uh. So, you know, that's all that's all well and good. However, it kind of glosses over the fact that this asshole is responsible for her death. Right. Because it was getting all worked up about what he was trying to do that causes her to have her little spaz and and you know they don't really address that. Yeah. They do not address that at all, and. The, the sad thing about it is they had a great opportunity there for some really good character moments because Data himself would be incapable, you would think, of being really pissed at the Admiral. I'd... So this would have been a great beat for somebody else to step up as Data's advocate to be pissed for him. And that, again, that never happens. We're, we're all of a well... sudden we're supposed to feel like Oh, you know, the Admiral's had a change of heart. He's not such a bad guy. Well, maybe so, but he still caused her death in in sort of a circular, you know, in a roundabout right. way. Well, I think it's storylines like this that might have down the line helped nudge Star Trek into more, you know, longer storylines that, that bleed from episode to episode. Right. Because having the, you know, each episode self-contained, you do. You lose a lot of chances to look into something, to set up a premise, and then to see it through, you know, in 42 minutes or whatever, 48 minutes, however long they had. It's funny that you say that. I don't know what else you have on this particular episode, but the next one we're going to talk about definitely Uh, does that what you're talking about with creating something that we are going to see become a thing become a future yeah 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 and they and and i mean they started doing that in in next generation but then you know uh, from what i hear with like deep space nine and voyager i think especially in in enterprise you know you entered more into I, I don't like saying soap opera, but you en- end up into that more of where you know you have to watch a season in sequence. <laughs> to, to Very get much storyline, and you'll have storylines that run through a whole season and stuff like that. Well, this is one of those times where I feel like Star Trek was ahead of the curve on this because this mm-hmm. has become a thing in television right. where you have entire seasons, sometimes entire series. 
right where you have to catch every episode because it's telling an, it's an overarching movie. story and while next gen never really had that the way we have it in the modern context the next episode we're going to talk about is kind of the beginning of where where next generation had uh, you know a, 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 a started building a self-contained story well, it had a yeah it, well it had a, a story thread that right. would continue to be you know picked up on from time to time which sort of, you could sort of argue that they did with like say the borg because you know that threat had been put but down but that's more like that's more like a story element or a recurring Ele- character yeah exactly you know? whereas this next episode we're going to talk about uh, sins Set, of the father setting up for a storyline yeah this is a storyline that while it's not going to be every episode we would come back to it again and again yeah. and what but it'll happens- be a ser- it'll be a series of self-contained pieces that 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 refer back to each other but you don't need them for each other mm-hmm. you know but that was but still that was yeah uh, that was a step in in a different direction whereas you know the the original star trek was pretty much you could watch any <laughs> any episode from any season in any order as we've been doing yeah yeah exactly exactly well the whole reason that we did that was to illustrate the difference you know because i know that people you know listeners have wondered why did you guys do it this random way? Why events, do you do yeah. two, you know, TOS random number generator style and then you do TNG in order? Why did we choose to do it? And it was to illustrate the differences between the two series as far as that structure. And because that's TNG, how we watch TOS too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we that exactly that, that was how, you know, cuz I never understood like what shows were in what seasons and everything until much later, right. you know, collecting them on VHS and everything. Did you start to get a flavor for it? Because I, I can remember when TOS started to come out on VHS and being really surprised to find out, wow, this is the order of the episodes? I, I never realized. And, you know, just being shocked in some instances that some were, you know, really early in the series, others were really late in the series, and never really having put that together before. But anyway, this is TNG, not TOS. But my, my point with this was that for the first time we're going to get something that becomes a, a big part of the of the mythos of TNG something that was th- this episode truly is a game changer in a lot of ways anyway uh i think we're I ready said, to go right into it yeah i'm ready to dive into this one Good uh, intro i have been for itching it, to even talk though we didn't plan it one. that way <laughs> well this one is called sins of the father as i said next time on star trek the next generation you are a traitor. Worf is accused of treason and faces a Klingon death penalty. It is a good day to die. His enemies are hiding the truth that could free him. You will not execute a member of my crew. Now, Captain Picard must risk his life to defend Worf's innocence on Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, this one aired the week of March 19th. 1990 so the very next week's episode uh let's see is there anything else really directed by les landau uh we'll get into the other notes on this here shortly let me go ahead and read the synopsis for this episode the enterprise receives a klingon exchange officer on board who turns out to be the younger brother Worf never knew he had the officer kern tells Worf their family name is about to be shamed. Their dead father, Moog, has been branded the traitor behind the Romulan attack at Kittimer that killed thousands and left Worf and Kern orphans. With Picard's backing, Worf returns to challenge the accusations before the Klingon High Council, even though the penalty for an unsuccessful appeal is death. Shortly after their arrival, however, Kern is attacked. Worf had used his brother as his advocate before the council, so he asks Picard to replace him. Together, they locate Worf's childhood nurse, whose tale forces the revelation of the real truth in a closed-door meeting with the aging uh, council leader, Kempak. It was the father of Duras, Worf's accuser, and not Moog, who was the traitor. Worf and Picard are stunned 
when told that uh, that the truth, if exposed, would plunge the Klingon Empire into civil war. Kempak sadly uh, prepares to carry out the death sentence until Worf, putting his people ahead of himself, agrees to drop the challenge and be publicly branded an outcast and coward and to live on for another day to clear his father's name. You know, that's actually a really good synopsis. I like that. That one actually cleared up a lot of (laughs) my questions. Well, it's funny that before we... It wasn't... That wasn't as clear. The ending of the episode wasn't as clear as the ending of the synopsis of the episode. It's funny because, you know, before we got started, you and I were talking and and I told you how much I was really looking forward to this one. And your reaction was something like, nah, I didn't really like that one that much. And you said that you you had some questions about it. I'm glad that did clear it up because I'm going to just spill the beans right here. Dude, I love this episode. I have always loved this episode. I like it. You talked about Data being the the spock of of next gen and i think that's true in intent i think that data very purposely was set up in that aspect but Worf worked out to be the actual spock Worf kind of in this episode Worf steps up big time because up to this point in my mind Worf was just kind of he was just a character he was you know he was another tasha or another troy where he was all right and he but he was just he was just the klingon on the bridge this episode makes Worf a character and as it turns out a great one and starts bringing klingon society into the story which is always fascinating you know it is like they say the end like the bad guys and they're not the bad guys anymore but they're still it's tentative mm-hmm. and but uh, they're they're still it's even an if they're not alliance, bad ba- yeah. bad guys it's like a family of bikers <laughs> right <laughs> way <yeah>. interesting you know <laughs> and their culture everything is fascinating so when you have stories steeped in that world it automatically has a new level of interest to it especially since the klingons were sort of mysterious bad guys that the only time we saw them is when they were clashing over some planet, you know, with the with the Federation, right? And now we're now we're d- deep into their politics, and and finding out that Klingon honor is still trumped by politics, just like uh, seems mm-hmm. like all other beings, right. you know. Well, I can see being a little confused by the ending of it because you know Worf says that that he's willing to accept discommendation. And of course, Michael Dorn, uh, you know, with all respect to him, he mispronounces the word as discommodation, which he does, I, I think, for the whole rest of the series whenever he refers to it. It's actually discommendation, is what it is. But that's never explained. He brings it up, and Kim Pat gets all excited, like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And they go ahead and they do it, but they never explain to you what the hell it is. So basically, it's, it's as the synopsis here is saying that he's basically allowing the Klingon Empire that he, he gets to, to live, he gets to keep his life, but that's it. They, they paint a big old yellow on his belly and, and kick his ass out of the Klingon Empire, and that's basically what it is. So now he has to live in disgrace for the rest of his days. He's not really a Klingon anymore. And, yeah, that, but I he's agree still with you. The honor, he still is the one who, with the honor, really... <laughs> That's the thing because and, he saved he saved the Klingon Empire from civil war that may or may not have happened. That's the opinion of some people in the council there that that would happen, but that doesn't mean it would necessarily. That's exactly what would happen, you know. Well, spoilers. That's one of the things I like about this storyline is that Worf. There, there's a lot of things I like about this. For one thing, Worf at the end of the story is the most honorable man in the episode. Mm-hmm. He's Picard. branded a traitor and publicly, basically they piss on him and send him away. Right. And, and he brings, but he's and, the one that still has his honor at the end of it, yeah. even though they think he's honorless and it's he's, well, they know he's not on, they know he has honor. He's just officially marked. The rest of Klingon civilization won't know that. Everybody in the room knows who has the honor in the room and who's the scumbag. Right. But um. Well, the ones that all uh, the frosting turn on him and everything, they don't. I don't think they know. I think it's. I think it's Worf, Picard, 
uh, Duras and Kimpak. They're the only ones that know. So I, I, that to me is what makes it so powerful. So when the when the council all turn their back on it, they think that Worf's he he is what he's saying he is that he's the son of a traitor, and that's what makes that final scene so powerful. Well, is that you know he he's accepting that label to save the empire, and it's like you know he he's doing this awesome. You know, it's like saving the world, and nobody knows it. And you know? on, on t- yeah, and on top of it. Not only is saving the world and nobody knows it, but you're branded an idiot too afterwards. Right. You're, yeah. you're universally mocked. But at right. the same time, he also, on to ice the cake, he brought a human in, and the human was the only, the human was more honorable than the Klingons in a lot of ways. So yeah. it like you know, and I what I liked about this is I liked, and I noticed it right off, and I and I think they tried to make it so you wouldn't notice. That well, that you wouldn't notice that he was picking on Worf, you would think that he was kind of favoring him because he was acting very favorable, you know, or he wasn't, you know, I mean, he gets brownie points, I'm sure, with you and me right off the bat for yelling at Wesley right off, <laughs> right immediately. It, you know, it's just like the substitute teacher in classroom. If they wanted to take control, they would have had to put us in the corner. He immediately. Oh, you mean where Kern yells at him on the bridge? Yeah, yeah. When he and Data are passing notes over there in the corner. I so wanted him to whip out that big nasty Klingon dagger and just plunge it just in the Execute him on the spot. Yeah, just just to establish his you know his authority and that he doesn't screw around. That would have been awesome. But that's I, uh, Tony Todd in this role, and uh, you is know, that Tony Todd? I love Tony. That Todd, was Tony dude. Todd. That's Tony Todd. Well, uh, it's so weird because I I met Tony Todd, mm-hmm. and I just saw a short film that they made, a Star Trek film, fan made film that has Tony Todd in it. And, Which one is that? I can't remember the name of it. It's about the battle that Garth of Izar won. Oh, okay. It's yeah, like, I, it's, I, like yeah. it's basically like a ten minute preview for a documentary on on that battle, right? And uh, and Tony Todd plays uh, the Federation president at, at one time who you know rallies everybody, but he's giving a speech in that, and his acting is kind of eh, eh, in the in the fan film, but then I I was like wow. The, the thing about Tony Todd is he's got that deep, rich voice. Mm-hmm. It, I did not peg him at all because this guy's voice doesn't have that deepness to it. As a matter of fact, I was like, this guy's a little skinny and his voice is a little reedy for a for a Klingon, I thought at first. Are and, we talking about the same character? Are you talking about his worst brother? Yeah. Yeah. That's, Yeah. Because I didn't, yeah, I, I thought he's got a pretty uh, pretty good voice on him and everything. He's got, he he's got a good voice on him, but he's not as like, oh, Klingon, you know? Right, yeah, that's as, well, yeah. That, that's you my, that's Michael Tony Dorn's Todd thing. Klingon to be, you know? Right. You would expect a Tony Todd Klingon to be almost lurch-like, just like, kill them all. I think that comes in time, though, because I, I, I have no idea how old he is in real life, but I get the feeling he's he's fairly young in this episode well i wasn't i wasn't buying him at first but then when the story developed and you find out who he is then all of a sudden a lot of things just sort of made sense and i really liked the character he i i thought he got kind of underused in this episode but we're gonna you know as you said we're gonna see him again Mm -hmm. and uh What's well, the funny thing is, though is his dad's their dad's name's Moog, but they keep pronouncing it Mog. So I keep thinking of John Candy from Spaceballs. Half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. <laughs> when, <laughs> yeah, what what I what what I find funny though is Klingon assassins get a knife into into Worf's brother, but Picard is pretty much holding He's kicking their ass at first. He might have gotten they 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 might have been wearing him down when um the the woman knifes the one in the back, but Picard was doing really good for an old human. That's human my guy. only that's my sole nitpick with this episode. Actually it's not 
really a nitpick. It's actually a pretty big problem with the episode is when uh, when it comes down, you know, they get they gain the knowledge that the nurse is still alive and everything. And Picard says, you know, he tells Worf where she lives. He goes, I'm going to go talk to her. And Worf very specifically says, you should not go there by yourself. It is not safe for you. And Worf just kind of, or Picard just kind of blows him up like, yeah, I'll be fine. And he leaves. And okay, so for one, Kern already got attacked. He already got stabbed mm-hmm. in, in a wound that probably would kill a human being. It didn't kill him because he's a Klingon. But it probably would have killed a, a regular human. Picard, you know, he's an old fart, and he's going off by himself. Something Worf told him not to do. But the biggest thing is, where the hell is Worf during this whole thing? Right. The the hearings, you know, has been suspended and everything. So what he's got, what's he got better to do than go with Picard? So the only reason he does You'd think he'd so want that, to to find out the truth, you know? Yeah, well, to find out the truth, to, to see face the nurse to again, to, to keep an eye on Picard. So the the only thing I can think, the only reason that Worf doesn't go with Picard is so that we get that scene of Picard being attacked, which, you know, that's the real world reason. But what's the internal logic of the story? What the hell is Worf doing while Picard is wandering all over this friggin' Klingon city where he already knows that people want to kill his Chadich. what That doesn't make any sense. It, that's the only part of this that, that you know, I uh, I have a problem with. But otherwise, uh, I oh. think it's a fantastic episode. Because the other two things that it sets up is, for one, I get this, I get the distinct feeling that while Picard always liked Worf, this is where these two become buds. Where they you know, bond. This yeah, is where they, because they, it was bond. really get... more yeah. Worf and Riker that were bonded before yeah. this. Yeah, which was always kind of my initial... Because I, I can remember the first time I saw this one feeling like, wow, I'm surprised he didn't go to Riker, you know? And that would have been a very interesting and, and a very different dynamic, I think, if he had... But I like that it went this way because it really established a bond between these two characters that would exist for the entire rest of the series, even when they would have their issues with each other. Because some some really great develop it's going to be a while before we get there, but some really great developments are going to come out of this storyline. This storyline gets big. And we see it in kind of dribs and drabs until it builds to a big climax. Because you were saying... You know, that Worf did all this to save the Empire, something that, you know, they're only speculating may have happened if if he didn't do it. Well, the thing is, it it is going to happen. And that's, we're going to get there. And that's pretty exciting. I really, it kind of surprises me, you know, and it it did initially happening too. It surprises me that I liked this storyline as much as I did. Because Worf was never really my favorite character. Um, up to this point and I never really cared too much about the political intrigue stories and all that sort of thing but there's something about this particular story um, of all the little next gen story threads that exist this one is the one that really clicked with me I like this one in, in all of the different installments that we're going to see because it really uh, it gives you insight not only to the Klingons and how their empire works and how the warrior mindset works and everything, but it gives you insight into Worf. And you come to really understand that he's not just a one-dimensional character like all other Klingons up until him ever were. You know, they were just an attitude. No, he's, you know? he's truly a bridge between Klingons and humans mm-hmm. without giving up. I mean... There was a, there's been a lot, and and there was a little bit in it here where he's testing Worf, you know, to to wait till, you know, Worf was like, why don't you treat me, you know, why don't you treat me like a Klingon and reacted like one, and then he was very happy. I mean, he he basically, just stopped short of making fun of Worf's poofy hair, and <laughs> which Klingons seem to like to do with Worf, but I like in this episode, and the one scene, it, I I I eventually when I thought about it, I decided I liked it, but it didn't ring true to me at first is that Picard, um, would make the decision to let Worf do the challenge in the first place. 
I thought at first, right. or, or, or at the very least, there would be some a meeting about it, or Picard would say no and then have to get talked into it. But he pretty much was just like, okay, I'll let you do this. And I was just like, I don't know about that. But then when I started thinking about it, I'm like, no, he probably understood that he kind of had to. And right. it was it was sort of a show of respect that he's letting him go to the challenge. Um, the only other thing that really bothered, you know, the thing that um, the the Picard against the assassins thing was what really bothered you. What really bothered me, and it's just a stupid little nitpicky thing, is uh, when they were when they were talking, and and um, I think it was Worf who said, uh, "I accept." Was it Worf or Picard? One of them said, I accept. But everybody was talking in Klingon. And I'm like, why did we have to have that in English? <laughs> right. There's no reason. It's already obvious that, that Picard's already proven that he speaks Klingon. There's no reason for anybody to speak English in that room. If, especially just for one word. If they were trading off or whatever, okay. So that was all totally just for the viewer's benefit, you know. Right. And even if... Even, <sighs> It just would have been so much better if he was just like, and then they put, I accept underneath him, you know, or something. Even if he was just like, that would still, we'd still pretty <laughs> much get that that's, I accept. But that's just a little thing. I did not like either of these episodes. I just thought they were good, standard TNG episodes. See, it's, it's so funny to me that, that you say that because this one, uh, I think it's one of the best episodes of the entire series. It's I, it's I really, really saw. Do. You know what I really loved in this one? The matte painting of the Klingon uh, <laughs> a council chamber or whatever. The main Klingon building in edge of the city there was really beautiful matte painting. Well, that's good because you're going to see it again and again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. That's how Star Trek goes, though. What's funny is Worf spends so much of this episode... Uh, you know, proclaiming, I'm a Klingon, I'm a Klingon, I'm a Klingon, you know, and he keeps going over it and over it and over it and, and really trying to prove his, his thing. And then right toward the end, end of the episode, he uh, he calls out, uh, when he realizes that, you know, what the plot really is and, and you know, it's all a setup and that Duras is actually the, the traitor, he says, uh, he goes, this Habidon, I forget what the whole line is, but he, he says that. He actually mispronounces the word. Whoops! It's not Habida; it's Had Hadiba. He so he sa- he's he transposes the D and the B, because uh, in Star Trek three, when when they come up, uh, the Klingons are in that the bird of prey and they're cloaked, and then they decloak and they de- deploy they uh, destroyed Captain uh, Esteban's ship. The um, ah, damn, I can't remember the name of it. The science vessel. Oh, Grissom. The Grissom. They blow up the Grissom. The captain is uh, Christopher Lloyd, and he's pissed, and he says something to the gunner. You know, I, I wanted prisoners, and the guy says, uh, I'm trying to remember what he says. I think he says, oh, it was a lucky shot, sir. And so Crew just pulls out his gun and shoots the guy and kills him. And then he says, Hatipa, meaning you're an animal. And that's what Worf is trying to say to... to I got the uh, no prize. And and he what's your what's your no prize? Worf has a regional accent. He has the, the <laughs> equivalent of a southern accent in Klingon. So that's just how he says it in in North Klingonville. I guess it's just funny that uh you know he he spends the entire episode trying to cl- prove his Klingonness and then he mispronounces that word. And it just I, I think it would have been funny if like Kempek had just snickered like Klingon. What huh? did you just say? <laughs> What was that word again? You just said I'm an am. You you are an aminal. What does that mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> now I like Kim Peck in this because that guy. You know, it's funny too because it would have been right around this time. It w- it was the same year that Next Gen was in its third season. Star Trek V: The Final Frontier came out in theaters. I'm not sure how close it is to this episode airing or not. I, I didn't look it up to see you know what the actual release date was versus this you know the air date of this episode. But anyway, that guy playing Kimpak, the the fat Klingon, you know, the leader of the High Council, was the same guy that was um, General Cord, 
the Klingon in Star Trek. He looks he looks exactly the same. The only thing that's I think even the uniforms are the same. The only thing that's different between the two characters is that their names are different. They probably but just pulled all the stuff that was built to form around his head right out of storage mm-hmm. and slapped it back on. Yeah. That's how you got to do it with Star Trek with that budget, even with the movies. I love that stuff from the, you know, that stuff got reused and everything just whatever had to be done. What I thought was funny is watching this again today. I was uh, I was looking. There was a, a shot from a distance shot, you know, like they're shooting toward uh, the council and where Kim Peck's sitting up in his right. little throne chair and everything. And the way the light was hitting his turtle head and everything, it actually looked like he was wearing a Decepticon logo on his forehead. It just was really <laughs> weird. I was like, what the hell? It's funny. I never really noticed that before. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before the Transformers Star Trek crossover. Dude, that needs to happen. Yeah, they've been having a lot. You know, that's something that uh, that we didn't talk about. We were talking all about the, uh, the Star Trek Planet of the Apes crossover. They just announced a... Um, a Star Trek Green Lantern yep. crossover, which I'm Makes like, sense. what? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't really know that I'll check that one out. But you know, it could be interesting. There were, they had done one. I would say it was a couple of years ago. They had done a Star Trek Legion of Superheroes one that I always meant to check out, and I still haven't. Um, I it, strangely, I never heard anything about it, whether it was any good or not. I know it exists, and that was about it. But, Which is um, funny because I so associate Planet of the Apes with Marvel. <laughs> so it's like Star Trek is crossed over and in, almost into Marvel and DC. Right. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's true. I'm surprised there hasn't been a Star Trek X Men. Yeah, there has. There has. Yeah, back in the '90s, there were there were two comic books uh, series, and then there was a novel. Oh dear God! Well, wow. You didn't know about this? No. It's funny because I, I was good. Gonna, I was going to pitch this to you a while back for us to cover um, on an episode, just you know, just for fun. There were the original one was uh, it was called um, Star Trek. It was either Star Trek X Men or X Men Star Trek. I forget. I think it was Star Trek X Men, and it's has to be um, one of the. F- first crossover type things that have yeah. happened then. Wow. It was really good. It was um, it was uh, Cyclops, Wolverine, and beyond that I can't remember who the that other was, characters uh, I'm were. I'm sure that was in the time period where I was just not paying attention to yeah. comic books. I mean, it was, it was during that 90s, yeah. you know, not so great 90s well, period. I have to look those up now. But it was now. like the classic like 90s X-Men team and they wind up on Kirk's Enterprise. And the thing I really liked about it was that I forget who the artist was on it. It's an artist I don't typically like, but his depiction of Kirk, you know, of Star the Star Trek portion really looked good. It was really neat. And I forget who the you know, it, they did it in very much the classic crossover style it felt very much like a comic book cross you know because remember like in the old marvel dc ones they would pick like you know they'd pick one marvel bad guy and one dc bad guy and they would team up and they would fight the teamed up heroes right right and they did the same thing with this so it was star trek it was x-men and then they picked um gary mitchell was the bad guy and i can't remember who the hell he was teamed up with i want to say Deathbird, but i i really can't remember and then, um, I don't know, a year or two later, a couple of years later, I think it was, they did Star Trek The Next Generation X-Men. And oh, that geez. one was, um, a few different X-Men were in that one, but it was pretty much your standard X-Men. And they teamed up. What it was, it, what I thought was kind of cool about that one was, this time it was... Um, the Enterprise crew that ended up teaming up with the X-Men as, a, as opposed to the other way around. It was the X-Men that wound up on the Enterprise in the first one. This time, it picks up right at the end of First Contact when they're attempting to go back in time to their own time. And they wind up in the X-Men universe and they team up with them and it's um, the Borg and the Sentinels have teamed up to fight okay you know, that makes X-Men. sense it was really cool but the problem that makes with a that little one more was, sense than the last one 
it, it's it's a pretty good story and then it ends on a cliffhanger and the cliffhanger says for the rest of the story check out the new novel planet x which was a, an actual prose novel that was part of the regular star trek novel series and it was star trek the next generation x-men it was called planet x and it makes it sound like the story is going to pick up right from where the comic leaves off and I read the novel a couple years ago, and the novel has not a goddamn thing to do with the comic. The comic's never even referenced in it. And I'm like, man, you know, so it's it's very disjointed as as a you know as a read between the two of them. And it, it's annoying because the comic leaves off on a cliffhanger. But that said, there were some really good little character moments in there because uh, the moment that I, I loved the best, my favorite moment uh, between the two crossovers was. Um, there's a moment where the Enterprise, Kirk's Enterprise is flying along through space and much like in um, the Savage Curtain they come across this man out in space and it's Gladiator from Marvel Comics and he hauls off and belts the Enterprise <laughs> and just knocks the bejesus out of it and there's this great like stunned reaction shot of Kirk going, did he just punch the Enterprise is just great. It was really good. You can hear Shatner saying that too. Yeah, That's great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good stuff. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't know about that. I one. know. I never heard of that. I mean, Every it's a, a I, I guess st- it's a natural, you know. Yeah. But I'm, you know, you you mentioned uh, Star Trek Transformers. Yeah, hell, I'd be down for that. I'm, you know, I'm curious. I hope they keep going with these because you know now they've done, they've done Star Trek. Or you know, I mean. Um, x-men although that was a number of years ago you know they've done x-men they've done legion they've done planet of the apes and green lanterns coming so i hope they keep it going for a while zombies yeah that's right you know i'm surprised that the big one still hasn't ever happened you know star trek star wars so i wonder i wonder if that could ever you know never say never that could actually happen one day could happen yeah, licensing deals could be made for that sort of yeah. thing. But that would yeah, be maybe. very interesting. <laughs> there's, there's a number of them I'd, I I wouldn't mind seeing. You know, if we ever get the the DC universe straightened out and get more, you know, get back to more of a classic feel of the DC universe, I'd love to see like a Star Trek Justice League. I think that could be a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, there's there's so many interesting places that they could go with uh, you know with crossovers like that. But well, I think we're about petered out for this episode. Um, hashed out. I have a proposal for you. Uh oh. I was doing a little count while we were talking, and there are eight episodes remaining between where we are right now. And where I really want to be, which is the best of both worlds. So you so want I'm to double up? If we future. double up, we could be the best of both worlds in five months, barring any, you know, more theme months or anything like that. Okay. So by the end of the year, we could be hitting best of both worlds, which I'm just dying to get to. All right. Well, so. let's let's make a pledge to try. All right. Even though there is no try. That's crossing the stream. That's crossing the streams. Well, so the plan for the moment, anyway, is next time around, our next two episodes are Allegiance, which I only vaguely remember, and Captain's Holiday, which I distinctly remember, and we should have a field day with that because, as I remember, that is a shit episode. So that should be a lot of fun. It I got sounds like it sounds like a like if you go to like where they have prostitution legalized, you go to like the chicken ranch. It's, it sounds like the something that you go to. I want the captain's holiday. <laughs> <laughs> or, you, or it was more like you should be like, I want the captain's holiday. Yeah. You know the funny thing is, I don't even think I'm gonna struggle next time around to uh, to find a good synopsis for that. I think I'm gonna just I'm gonna give you my own synopsis, which is exactly like I said it before. Picard goes on vacation, has an opportunity to get laid, decides to read a book instead. So there you go. There's your synopsis for Captain's Holiday. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> the book better be a porno now. You better be reading it. 
issue a hustler at the very least. Uh, that's even sadder. <laughs> If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, Soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.